You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hungry for adventure? Then travel to a la carte, the charming land below the floating city of heavenly delight, and join the young cook ramen for her daily dose of wacky hijinks in the new series Delicious. With a cast of eccentric, strong female characters, this wonderfully illustrated comedy comic will be out in July, but you can pre-order now by clicking the banner on the page for this podcast. Get the limited hardcover first edition, plus free stickers and an art print as a gift. Wow, stickers! A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. You know, I was excited as the next Marvel fanboy when they announced that, yes, Marvel, under Kevin Feige, not under the previous administration who were handling Marvel television, Marvel Studios proper were going to make TV shows with the stars of the movies on Disney+. Plus. I was just beside myself happy. And I've been excited about all of them, but none of them I've been anticipating as much as Loki. And why is that, you ask? I kind of got a man crush on Tom Hiddleston. I who does <laughs> He's got those luscious locks and that smoldering cheekbone. I am 100% lesbian, and yet, he could get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm heterosexual, except for when it comes from really almost any given person from Asgard. (laughs) (laughs) That's a decent metric. Somebody said if there's a female Loki played by Tom Hiddleston, it would still work, and I was like, yeah. I mean, even if they're amphibians. Loki's death is actually the one that kind of hit me the hardest in Endgame. I was like, oh man, not Loki! No! Love Loki so much! He's like the best villain and they've made him into this interesting multi-dimensional character. I was really excited. So, this show going, alright, well, we saw in Endgame there is a version of Loki that escaped in another timeline. So, that version escaped, but not for long, because it turns out there's this big impersonal very sort of drudgy corporation called the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. Anytime someone screws up a timeline and causes a parallel timeline to branch off, they go, and they grab them up, they call them variants, and they usually kill them. Do they? We'll get there, but they erase them. They they zap them. They dissipate. This is the (laughs) just past the first Avengers movie, Loki, who's totally full of himself. He hasn't learned not a goddamn thing. He's extremely <laughs> arrogant. He's, he's a straight up villain. They realize, okay, we're bringing Loki back for sure, but nobody really wants just totally evil Loki back again, do they? Don't we want the kind of, a, I got my shit together, Loki? Well, the point of the show to one point of the show is to kind of get him there again, because he is forced to kind of be humble as he realizes he's really so powerless in this place that even the infinity stones in this particular dimension that he's trapped in are nothing. They're like paperweights. Magic doesn't work. 
he has no powers at all. And he is kind of getting on the good side of a employee there, played by Owen Wilson, Mobius M. Mobius. He's the agent of them, <laughs> and he has decided he can get Loki's help because they're searching for a variant that they take a while to actually name that is uh, causing all sorts of trouble, killing their agents, and they just can't seem to catch him. So the deal is kind of like, look, we won't dissipate you, but you got to help out. So begins a weird friendship, much akin to as the writer of the show called the two leads from Catch Me If You Can. He's sort of based their relationship on that. It's like the mutual respect. They kind of like each other, but the chase must go on. Loki is six episodes of sci-fi wackiness that ends up being, of all the shows so far, the one that most firmly, it's the setup for Phase 4. But before we go any further, joining me is Ben. Howdy, hey, time people. Jordan. Why, hello there. And Tessa. What? Hi. <laughs> Look, we are burdened with glorious purpose to review, to review this. this show. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone has been passing around the tweet that Elon Musk put out, you know, and fuck Elon Musk. What'd he do? He basically just said, oh, I love Loki. It's just like a, a live action Rick and Morty. And everyone's like, no, it absolutely is not. You know, is, is this the first science fiction thing you've ever seen? But to be fair to him, which I rarely do, the actual guy who's showrunning the show, Michael Waldron, he was one of the head writers on Rick and Morty, Morty. So he's also writing the next Doctor Strange movie. Mm. One particular idea is just stupid and it should never be attempted. Helping out your variants. I'm kind of with Loki. If I met my variants, I'd just want to hang out with them, party with, and have sex with a few of no, them. No, no, no. Loki's the exception. <laughs> That's good. It's the other motherfucker. Um, well, one of my favorite actresses right now, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, plays Ravona Renslayer, who is one of the TVA agents who used to be a hunter, but now she's like a judge, and she's overseeing this variant investigation that they've got our Loki help reluctantly out with. There's Wunmi Musaku as Hunter B-15, which mm -hmm. is basically, of all the hunters, the only one we're given a lot of personality for. Tara Strong voices Mrs. Minutes, which is sort of this animated, old-school, anthropomorphized clock mascot that has like a southern draw, but it's basically their communication with their computer system. We'll get more into some of the other really big names that appear here, but I don't want to get into them until we reach that point. I go, okay, now this is spoilers going forward, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. won't be long because it's hard to really discuss our feelings about this without getting into the second half where shit really gets moving. But I will say right off the bat, I thought this was just tremendously entertaining. So watch it first, come back and listen to this review. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite bit of TV for this year so far. It's also my favorite of what the MCU has offered to uh, Disney+. Plus. It, it was just so exciting. Even the details, like the music on this show is phenomenal. But, you know, hey, pheromones are coming back in style. Watch out. <laughs> Me and Jordan are going to buy stocks on pheromones like so hard. The production design, whoever did this and Legion on FX, that's how I want my dream house to look. A step up from how the TVA looks in the comics, which is like the most bargain bin Captain America cosplay you could get. I don't think I've liked a bit of superhero television this much probably since the prime of legion when that series came out it was just such a change to what superhero tv was and also tv in general because that shows trippy as fuck and i love it for it but loki plays a little bit with that keeps it a little bit more grounded for some of the general audiences but has so much fun with it i mean the tva here they seem to have based it largely off of like control the video game control in oh, the yeah. oldest house there where everything is just very square and 1950s the old and house very much like foreboding uh 
stone pillars and such. I would also say Terry Gilliam's Brazil for that mm-hmm. out of nowhere fantastical setting where there just happens to be bureaucracy, which is the only time I think bureaucracy works. That and the wire. Where the hell has this Owen Wilson been? He didn't say wow once. <laughs> Although you should have gotten at least one wow. I spent the whole show going, wow. This, come on, say it. Say it. I, we're never going to drink if you don't say wow. Say the line. He makes like the best bromance we've seen basically since Korg and Meek. Yeah, agreed. That is definitely the heart of the show in many ways. And I feel like in some ways it re- suffers when they're not together on screen, but then they do introduce another person for Loki to play off of a little later on in the show. And we'll get to that in just a minute. That sort of becomes for the middle to late period of the show, the replacement person for him to play off of. Owen Wilson is no question at his strongest here. He's been in a very, very long time. And I do desperately hope they find a way to bring him back in other stuff. Let's hit that mark and go, all right, so we all said we really, really liked it. If you don't want to know any spoilers, you should leave right now. Are they gone? Who are you people not watching Loki that are still leaving right now? Go watch it. This is the best MCU TV show since Daredevil. Go get on it. I don't know about that. I actually like all of the Disney Plus shows better than all of the Netflix shows, but that's me. Same. This is really, really great, and it's the best of the Disney Plus shows taken as a whole, although I think all of them have been really good. Going on to the spoiler, so they figure out who the variant is they're chasing, and it's another Loki. In fact, turns out that Loki variants are regularly an issue for the TVA. God of mischief. Pop up quite a bit. And by that, I don't mean Lokis that are played by Tom Hiddleston. I mean Lokis that are like look like infinite parallel universes like uh, other earths other asgard so there's any number of different versions of loki the one they're chasing happens to be a very attractive young lady who prefers to go by the name sylvie that is played by sophia di martino who apparently was like a huge search to find her they like went through a lot of people before they like right when they got her like her first interview they were like that's the one we got her given how there have been young avengers characters heavily introduced in wandavision with her kids and with eli aka patriot in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Then later we get Kid Loki. Who's a minor character, to be sure, in the length of this show. But the way this ends, it's entirely possible we're going to see Kid Loki again. Although I'm much more excited for Alligator Loki myself. But <laughs> a croaky? Crocodile Loki? Croaky? They openly admitted that Sylvie is like a mashup of Enchantress and Lady Loki. Like She's kind of like this weird amalgamation. And I'm sure a lot of like diehard fans are going to be maybe be upset about, but some might be a bit more forgiving because it really, like Jordan said, it works. If you're going into adaptations of a previously existing continuity that constantly changed and retconned and did different stuff over the space of like, geez, I don't even know how long, like 60 years or something, 75 years, Mm -hmm. then you're being a kind of queenie. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, I love the version of female Loki that was in the comics for a while. I think Straczynski was writing those, Mm -hmm. but I don't require this to be exactly that same one. And plus, we are talking about infinite versions of Earth and Asgard going forward in the MCU, at least through phase four now. So who knows who the fuck we're going to see? And I thought using this to bring in Enchantress was clever. That character has its own baggage. It might just be a backdoor way of basically making Sylvie the Enchantress, even though she is technically an alternate Earth Loki. I really love 
in the first episode. There's so many Easter eggs in this. So many. So many. There's a really nice uh, shout out to Scream in the first episode where Loki threatens that one worker at the TVA named Casey. And he says, I'm going to gut you like a fish, Casey. Yeah, Yeah. And that's a Scream quote. I felt bad for Pillboy. He just got his life together and suddenly Loki's going to kill him. I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eugene uh, Cordero. Yeah. I love his character. He's like, what is this? It's a tesseract. It's very important. He's like, looks dumb. Sounds dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like, Chris, you understand how humble Loki was in that first episode because he just got fucking humbled. He's just like, what the fuck is happening to me? And then when he gets his little victory, he's like, there's basically a Tommy Boy scene with him and Owen Wilson that is the funniest damn thing. He's the master manipulator liar. And what do you do when you're in a world where you're regularly encountering people who are really better at that than you are? And it's kind of through the length of the six episodes, his character arc is very similar to the way it is across the entirety of the MCU films, where you're like, you can't trust this guy. You like him, but you can't trust him until finally you're at a point like, oh shit, he's actually being sincere this time. And no one wants to believe him. Boy who cried wolf. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As we get towards the end, we find out that when you get zapped by their little prod rods that dissipate you, make you look like you're disintegrated, you don't in fact disintegrate. You go to the end of the universe where there was no restaurant, and I was very upset about that. The void. I'd call it the cosmic dumpster. And there's, yeah, shit from all over. There's a lot of in-jokes. There's like a big battleship that drops at one point in a big scene of that that gets Mm -hmm. taken out by the custodian monster that comes and just sucks up all the energy of all these things taken from variants. And the ship was the Philadelphia Experiment ship, which I thought was really, really, not even a Marvel thing. (laughs) My favorite was the Trog cameo. Oh, which was Chris Hemsworth voice. Yeah. I think the fifth episode and the sixth episode, it's a really tough throw up for between those for me because everything they layer in that sixth episode is the great payoff for everything else. And it's layering so many new things that are still going to come up. Like we get a villain that we've been hinted at exists, but had no idea in which regard that I think just killed it. Like a guy in a show that I think every single person was bringing their best A game the whole season long starts stealing scenes from the cast. And I'm like, dear God. God. And to get there, basically, Sylvie and Loki figure out, oh, the so-called timekeepers, the ones who are running this, they don't even exist. So who, question mark, who's actually behind this? And they both get zapped and wake up in the void and go, oh, shit, okay, well, this place is lousy with Lokis, including my favorite, (laughs) Richard E. Grant, playing classic Marvel Comics Loki with the giant horns and everything. Only he could give a performance that powerful and raw, looking like that. Wearing a gold diaper. Goopy gravitas going out the ass. Uh, but there's a whole vote for those of you who love multiverse things and jokes throughout the history of Thor, which has always been kind of a goofy, fun comic book playing with ideas like this. There's been multiple different Thors, multiple different other characters. A lot of those things pop up in here. The episode in question, when they first appear there, there's just so many Easter eggs, like it's at every turn. So they battle their way through there. They have to fight the monster. They go through the monster. And yes, as Ben was saying, they find the final adversary, the castle, the mount, you know, the end. End game. And that adversary is the wonderfully cast Jonathan Majors, who was the lead in Lovecraft Country. He was in the lead in Last Black Man in San Francisco. He is just tremendously good in Defy Bloods. But I've never seen him do comedy before, really. He's our second Lovecraft 
country alum because we have Wunmi Mosaku and she's Hunter B15 and she's great in this. I love her. She plays Ruby in Lovecraft Country and she's great in that too. I think Jonathan Majors is the best cameo. He should have gotten a nomination just like Don Cheadle. <laughs> the whole final episode, it's his episode. They come in and he's like, yeah, I'm the guy who runs it all and he's really personable and he's really funny and he is in fact Kang the Conqueror or he's a Kang. He's not technically Kang the Conqueror because this is a multiverse thing. And so there's been a billion different Kangs and he's like, the reason all this even exists and all this happened and all the way we created the TVA is because free will didn't work out at all because multiverse me's tend to be assholes and they rip the fucking universe apart every time they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to. So I'm like the only one now, but here's the deal. I want you two Lokis who seem great. I've been following you. You're awesome. Totally stand for you guys. I ship your romance, whatever, even though it's a weird, weirdly narcissistic. Why don't y'all run everything? Tell everybody the TVA the truth. You do your version of things, but we got to keep it running. Or... You can kill me. He basically Willy Wonka's it. This has been a labyrinth ruse for you to take over my job. With the exception that Charlie didn't have the option to murder Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made Tim Burton's version much better. It leads to one of my favorite fight scenes. It's actually a pretty well shot fight scene between two equally matched characters, which I love seeing like throughout that whole scene with Majors there as Kane, like talking to them. It's just constantly showing how parallel the two of them are as both being Lokis. All the blocking for all their performances in this scene are brilliant. I was just in awe thinking, I'm actually seeing a living, breathing Kang to Conqueror. Like, even when I was reading comics at 12 years old, I never thought, oh, I'm never going to see Kang in a movie. Or 32-year-old me is glad to be wrong. I kind of marked out when I saw Jonathan Majors. I legitimately was not expecting him. Like, I knew he was coming up in Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, seeing that costume with more muted color scheme of Kang. Mm. Kang has had a lot of costumes in the history of Marvel Comics, for the record. I didn't know he was going to be in the next Ant-Man, so I was just piecing that together from, like, Marvel knowledge. I'm like, that looks like Kang's costume, and this looks really familiar. Like, you do get to that final scene where, like, it's on more display, and like, oh, Oh, you know, this checks out. That's definitely Kang because they don't call him that. Yeah, they never say Kang, I don't think. The closest they get when he's saying all the things he's been, he's like, I've been a conqueror. And you're like, okay, that's definitely Kang. <laughs> Fandom spent all of WandaVision going, it's Mephisto. And then it wasn't Mephisto. <laughs> gotcha. And this time everyone's going, it's Kang. And people are going, remember last time you thought it was Mephisto? And this time I was like, all right, we'll let you have this one. It is yeah. in fact Kang. But this is the the open door to the next, like, what, five or six movies at least? Also, as much as there's Rick and Morty in here, this is so wearing its Doctor Who inspiration on its sleeve. Like, especially with that third episode. And even something Sylvie said, like, I've seen thousands of ends. It's like, that does sound like a character thing from when Moffat was in charge of Doctor Who. I think the TVA is in the quantum realm. How fun would it be if Scott Lang just showed up in one of the episodes and is just like, what the fuck is this doing here? It also explains why stuff floats there. Like, it's not exactly flying. Like, stuff in the quantum realm just kind of floats because mm -hmm. there's not really gravity there. 
And right. so like when Loki looks out, he says, you said there's no magic here to Owen Wilson's character Mobius. And he's like, well, there isn't. And it would also make sense why there's no magic because you're on the quantum realm. Magic just wouldn't work on that microscopic of a level, you know? Even though like the first episode is just pretty much an exposition dump, it actually works because you're actually captivated by Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, who is incredible here. Although I am slightly disappointed Mobius didn't get his jet ski. That's bullshit. <laughs> Not yet. We get season two. Still possibility. That was the w- biggest surprise of the whole thing because all of these, yes! they've kind of said they're kind of one and done. And that one is the one they're like, no, no, they'll be back. Although I wouldn't be surprised if the next season of Loki takes place after several more movies and they're like okay now here's the other thing between things that we have loki doing yeah but chris time is an illusion we got to move on to final thoughts we're gonna get started with ben it almost definitely is the best thing marvel has put out into the at least the tv universe maybe the best thing they put out since endgame or before i i just adored this i every week running to watch it it's just really a pleasure especially if you love time travel shows like we talked about doctor who if you love doctor who messing with time and all that weirdness if you love temporal weirdness and magic if you've ever enjoyed tom middleson as loki even a second you'll love the hell out of the show and if you don't love it i don't want to talk to you <laughs> you're not my friend anymore go away wow uh other people ride on not liking ragnarok not going with that here. I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, I'm going to give this 9.5 out of 10 really great mustaches that say wow. Tessa. This was like an all-star cast. Like everybody fucking sells it. There is a moment in the first episode, Tom Hiddleston is wrecked to learn about what happens to his mother in Dark World. He fucking sells it. There's Hunter B-15 when she finds out the truth and she finds out she was happy on Earth and she's just losing her shit. Everybody has like a pretty good like moment of acting in this. Everybody gets their close up moment for the most part, you know? And as Jordan said, the soundtrack slaps. I loved it. I gotta say my favorite episode is episode three, Lamentus. And that's the one where you really see Loki and Sylvie like have their moment. And Loki talks about his analogy or metaphor for love is a dagger. It's a great speech. It's where they really start to like connect and talk to each other and get to know each other. I'm going to give this 10 out of 10 Nexus event creating Owen Wilson world crushing kisses or (laughs) moments. Variant 885, also known as Jordan. Wait a minute, that spells boobs! What? No, it does. Yeah, it does. I absolutely love this. It stacks up with Doom Patrol for me, because that's my favorite superhero thing on TV right now, because I love the strange, very weirdness of superheroism. This fits that perfectly. Tom Hiddleston is even more incredible. Like, this might be my favorite Loki of his, because he gets to go through all that development again, and it's incredible. And Sophia DiMartino... Ellen Wilson, and like Tessa said, everybody here is incredible. Of the Disney Plus things, this is the one where I'd say I would want it to be a regular series, and I'm glad we're going to get more of that. 10 out of 10 intricate watches. There's no question that this is big, crazy sci-fi popcorn entertainment. No one is going to mistake this for The Wire, right? You know, it's not that kind of show, but that doesn't mean it's any less quality in the way that it's put together and its construction and its performances and its writing. Some people are going to be held off of watching something like this or enjoying it because this just is, was never going to be their type of thing. That's fine. Just because everybody else is talking about something, all your friends at work are watching something. If you don't like Doctor Who, you're probably not going to like Loki. 
It's like Doctor Who from the Stephen Moffat episodes during the Russell T. Davies era. It's really, really good and surprising and a breath of fresh air and something that the MCU desperately needed at this exact moment. The two previous shows were both appetizers. They were filling in the space between things, expanding some of the stuff we needed to know so the characters, the major characters, would have that out of the way and explored and developed by the time we see them again in the movies and for various plot points to proceed. This is the one where they go, bang, here's everything. All your theories now get started because now you got a lot more to theorize about. And I love that. And that's the thing is the fifth episode is huge, like crazy shit going on everywhere, constant action. The sixth episode is largely a conversation. Some people I know were really disappointed by that. I liked it, Chris. Okay. He wasn't just the big bad. It was not expected. You expected them to come in, the bad guy in a crazy suit, and be like, here's my big evil plan, bwahaha, and I will fight fireball, you. Fireball, no. fireball. I like that part. I did too. Uh, but that's what I'm saying is some people, they're like, well, the last episode's boring. I'm like, it's not if you understand that one of the things that I kind of missed and wanted from the previous shows was something that was going to be this huge tie in big development in the MCU as a bigger thing, because the Marvel films have always been one long continuing story. Always been. Some people fucking hate that. And I'm like, that's fine. But it's not something to criticize it for. It was always the plan. It's based on fucking comics. And that last episode is like super exciting for those of us who do like that and are like, yes, now I'm even more excited for stuff to come. There's nothing wrong with working in lockstep with what's coming next. And the MCU has done it better than pretty much almost anybody ever has. And Loki is no exception. I loved this to pieces. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 questions I want to see answered on where did Gugu Mabatha Raw go at the end of the show. Come on, fan art drawers. Where is Mobius Strip as a comic? Mobius gets his own comic called The Mobius Strip, and he actually was a stripper who rode jet skis. Wah, wah. 